All right. Come on, somebody. Woo! Throwing it back old school. Come on. Anybody remember that? Remember that? This or that? Let's go. Let's go, man. We're excited. Two services. You made it to the 1030 service. This is all the people who don't worship football in here. Or you're mourning and you came to mourn the games from yesterday. I don't know why you made it this morning, but we're glad you are here for our Be All In series. I really believe that Jesus is going to do some great things through this series. And if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 is where we're going to be this morning. And man, super, uh, I'm excited as we, we're going to read Mark chapter 10 together and then I'm going to pray, just um, pray that the Lord would speak to us. But before I do that, I, before I get too serious this morning, I just, um, I just want to let you know, you know, we're fighting devils today. We're fighting devils today. Y'all check out my friend out there just casting out demons out in the foyer right there on the Palladium. You got that picture right there? Chris? Okay, couldn't get up. All right, so no worries. No worries. But if y'all didn't know, we have the nun too next door, so... I will, uh, my, my friend Ansel sent me a picture with an X over it, uh, and it was, it was kind of funny. It was humorous, and I was, we were all going to laugh together, but instead I'm just laughing internally. All right, Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 22. says this, and he was setting out on his journey. Jesus, a man ran up and knelt before Jesus and asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Everybody say one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Let's pray for the word of God this morning. Father, we just love you. Jesus, thank you for just being in our worship songs this morning. Thank you for showing up this morning already in a great way. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you this morning. We need this word to penetrate not just our minds, but penetrate our hearts, penetrate our being. Jesus, lead us into all truth, as you always do. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Well, second service, 1030 I already preached once. I haven't done this in a very long time, and I'm not trying to be redundant, and I'm also not trying to repeat a lot of things and get lost in my notes. So I need some help this morning. Amen? I need some help. We're going to need help this morning, but I believe, I believe God's going to help us. He's going to see us through. Amen. Thank you. This or that? This or that? An appropriate song for this morning, we're talking about Be All In and the story we just read. The truth is, is that life is a choice and we all have decisions to make and we can live for this, that being Jesus and who he is. 
Jesus, the Son of God, who came and lived a perfect life, who died a death in exchange for us in our place, was buried for three days. But on the third day, he didn't remain dead, but he was resurrected. And our faith is in the hope of a resurrected Savior, that Jesus is resurrected. That is this, kingdom life, life for him, life towards him, or there's that. And that would be all of our selfishness, self-pleasure, self-gratification, and idolatry of self and everything but this. This is our decision to make today. It's a choice that we're constantly making, in fact, every day. The Bible would say this, pick up your cross how often? Daily. Everybody say daily. Pick up your cross daily and follow him. A daily choice, a daily moment. And here we have a young man, and we're going to look at how Jesus and this young man responded to one another. A familiar passage, one that we've read a lot. But the Holy Spirit's going to reveal something new to us today, I believe. A young man we see who has a lot of wealth. And he goes and he searches for something that he hasn't already achieved. A man who has all possessions, everything he knows. And not just a man who possesses all things, but a man who's been very morally compliant. And he runs to Jesus. Runs to the good teacher. There's a hastiness in this verb of going after Jesus, going, going to him. And we see three things that the young man does. He, he runs after Jesus. He kneels before Jesus. And then he asks a question. He runs, he kneels, and he asks a question. He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. It's the question that all of us will be faced with in church this morning. A question that you've been faced with, have found a decision, or you're still wondering about. This young man has that. And the truth is, is no matter how much you have or don't have, no matter how much you achieve in this life, there will still be this hole or this void or this vacuum inside of us that is moving us to find the answers to that deep, deep question. How do I receive life after this life? How do I receive eternal life? Jesus responds with, good teacher. Why do you call me good? Young man, no one is good except God alone. We see this and we read it, and all of a sudden we're messed with a contradiction in our mind. For all those who grow up in church, we know that Jesus is a part of the Godhead. He's a part of the Trinity. He is God incarnate. Why would he deny what this man attributed to who he is? It feels like a contradiction to us this morning. I hope that I can answer this contradiction in a way that you will see God in a bigger, better way than you're seeing him now. See, the question is, is all of us 
have defined the level of good in life. And we're come with this thought of good versus God. He's saying, he's saying, I've done all these good things. I've followed these commandments. Now, the Ten Commandments are broken up in two parts, if you remember. The first part is about honoring God in your relationship with him. The next part is about how we relate to one another in the world around us. There's this relational aspect with God, this worship of God, and then there's this love and goodwill towards people around you, the moral code. What does he say? He goes, I, I have done just this, Jesus. I haven't murdered. Good for you. I haven't committed adultery. Well done. I did not steal. I do not bear false witness. I've not defrauded anyone. And I honor my father and mother. And yet, he's in this place. Going, good teacher, I have done all these things. And when we first read that, we're like, man, this dude's legit. He's the real deal. He's doing it all. He's doing all these things, and he's going up to the teacher. And then, and then he moves in this place of, of moving towards Jesus. The unique thing about this and the contradiction when he calls Jesus God he doesn't call Jesus God, does he? He calls him good teacher. He calls him good teacher. He knelt down. He did all the right things. He ran to him in haste. He's asking the questions. But the way he addresses him is different than the way that you need to address Jesus. He addresses him as good teacher. And the amazing part about Jesus is Jesus in the flesh in, in partnership with the Holy Spirit and the Godhead had the ability to cast out demons, had the ability for blind eyes to be opened, deaf ears to hear. No one discounts that. I mean, any other religions would, would see that this prophet, this good teacher does all these things. But what's interesting about Jesus is Jesus knows this man's situation as he's coming up. Jesus had insight. And the truth is, is, in this room, is when we run to Jesus and we kneel before him and we have questions, I want to let you know that Jesus already knows what you're about to ask. And some of us are comforted, comforted by this. And some of us are afraid. Oh, Jesus, I hope you don't know that part. I've been keeping that part just between me and me. I don't want anybody to know that. But Jesus already knows. And when you come to Jesus, what he's going to do is he's going to prick your heart. He's going to move in a way to, to reveal to you what's going on inside of you. He's going to show you what's happening. You see, he runs to Jesus and he refers to him as good teacher. But when Jesus moved, and when he moved in power, and when he moved in a way of calling people to himself, it was those people who didn't recognize him just as a good teacher, like other religions, just as a good teacher as, as the Muslim community refers to him, just as a good teacher as the world may refer to him. But the people in the Bible who were changed 
and healed and transformed. The people in the Bible who did that, when they ran to Jesus, they knelt down and they didn't say good teacher, but they said Lord. Matthew 15, 25. You may remember the Canaanite woman. When she came to him, she knelt before him. Not a Jewish woman, a Canaanite woman, uh, somebody, a Gentile. And she said, Lord, help me. Matthew 8, 2 says, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him. And what did the leper say? The, Lord, the leper didn't say, good teacher, I need help. I hear you do things. He knelt down in a place of surrender, not just seeing him as a teacher, but he said, Lord, if you will, can you make me clean? Will you make me clean? He came in a way, in a posture of saying, Lord, versus just teacher. We see this over and over again in the Gospels, that whenever somebody came to them, they recognized Jesus as Lord. What's the implications of knowing him as Lord? It means that he has all authority. It means that if he was a, just a good teacher, then I could receive some information so that I could help my own life. Isn't that what the young man had been doing all along? Receiving information and knowledge so that he could help himself in his own situations. And now here the young man, he runs to Jesus and he says, teacher, tell me, give me knowledge how I can ascend to eternal life. But it doesn't work like that, does it? You see, if we could get to God with our intellect, if we could get to God through our works, if we could get to God through all those means, then I don't know if we'd really need God. But the truth is, is there's only one way to get to God, and that's to surrender. And your intellect may be a pathway to discovery of seeing who he is, and at that point you move to surrender. An experience may be a pathway for you to understand who he is, but at some point in some life, you will get on your knee, you will bow and say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Confess Jesus as Lord. Isn't that what Romans 10, 9 says? Believe in your heart, confess him as Lord. But this man doesn't do that. In Mark 5, it's interesting, you have the demoniac, here he is, he's doing all these things, and Jesus shows up, the authority shows up in the room, and it's astonishing that even the demons recognize Jesus' authority in heaven. It says in Mark 5, 6, seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him, and shouting with a loud voice, he said, not good teacher, not rabbi, but said, Jesus, son of the most high God. Jesus, son of the most high God. Even the demons believe in this authority. So why does Jesus seemingly give this contradiction it's because he knew what was going on in the man's heart. That he did everything in the moral code, in the moral law. But he didn't surrender to God. In fact, his, 
his idea of God was himself and his own good and his own behavior. Even Mary went to Jesus. And in John 11, when Lazarus had died, she went to Jesus and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Throughout scripture, here's, a, here's this moment of, do you recognize Jesus as Lord, or is he just simply good teacher? Did you come today seeking Jesus for some helpful advice, some good help advice? Or did you come today so that you may worship him as Lord? Did you come to church today? Oftentimes we do this. I just need a TED talk so I can feel a little bit better about myself. Or did you come today and say, Jesus, you are Lord. And my situation will not fix itself. I cannot fix it. I need you to come in as God with your authority over my situation. That's what Jesus wants for us. Second thing is we're going to be all in. We're going to be all in. There's this moment that you have to leave the court. Everybody say, leave the court. Leave the court. Leave the field. Jesus was going to him and said, you're going to have to leave the field. Hey, you're going to have to quit playing your game, and you're going to have to start playing my game. I want you to leave it there. I want you to sell everything. Verse 21, Jesus looking at him, loved him. Jesus loves you. Loves you. Jesus wasn't trying to one-up this man. Jesus wasn't trying to manipulate him. Jesus wasn't even saying, oh man, you, you got it wrong. Jesus was revealing himself. And he said this, you lack one thing, young man. One thing you lack. Sell all that you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then, come follow me. Leave it on the court. Leave it all there. Come follow me. This is what Jesus is asking. Now, if we were to read this, and if you're like Brandy and I, who kind of like some stuff, you know, like we like our house, <laughs> we like our car, we like our clothes. I don't think we're going to sell everything, Jesus, right? The interesting part about this is Jesus isn't bringing a prescription here for everyone. But he's bringing a descriptive moment that was prescribed to this specific young man. And Jesus this morning will bring a, a concoction to you. And he'll say, I need you to surrender this particular thing in your life. Sell it. Get rid of it. Some of us have been worshiping images, relationships. We're defined by our anger, our malice, our jealousy. Some of us, it's 
not been all your possessions, but it's been that one possession. You see, Jesus isn't bringing a prescription to everybody through this passage, but he's given a description and now bringing it into a principle saying there is something that you need to leave on the court today. There's something that you need to sell that you need to get rid of out of your life. And he's calling you to do so. Saying you need to get rid of it. Because that one thing is keeping you from seeing me as teacher, as some benefactor, as some good help guru, versus seeing me as Lord. And our prayer this morning is that we'd start seeing him as Lord. For this particular man, it was give, sell it all. Give it all away. Come, follow me. Some people wonder if that was supposed to be the 12th apostle after Judas betrayed him. Some people wonder that. Perhaps that's why it's such an ask from Jesus. But regardless, Jesus has always asked us to sell something. He asked the tax collector to leave his tax booth to follow him. He asked fishermen to leave their nets to follow him. He's asked people to leave mother and father, brother and sister to follow him. He's asked some of you this morning to leave some certain friendships and follow him. He's asked some of you to leave a pornography addiction and say, follow me. He's asked some of you that obsession, continual obsession of control. You know, that OCD personality, undiagnosed. You just diagnose it yourself so you don't have to change. Jesus is saying, leave it, sell it, follow me. But the truth is, some of us are just too balling to be all in. We just like our stuff. We just like it. We like the way it makes us feel. And that choice we get to make today, the choice that you and I have to make every day, is this, just like this young man. And in verse 22, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Home, morally outstanding, upright, a ruler. He had some authority, some clout, some notoriety, but he couldn't sell it. And the question that we have today is, is it going to be this or is it going to be that? The question that I have today, Ben Chapman. Is it going to be this or is it going to be that? Is it going to be God or is it not? Is he going to be Lord or is he not? What I love about this is the, the reason that this is so helpful. No, it's not prescribed this particular text for all of us because there's some people 
You need to be wealthy because God has called you to advance his kingdom. For some of you, God has given you a platform to have a whole lot of likes and a whole lot of influence because you're going to advance his kingdom. For some of you, it's going to be that. It's a silver lining, isn't it? Because quickly, that which we think it is can sometimes deceive us. That's why we need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his voice in our life. We need men and women around us to check us. How you doing in there? How you doing in here? Is it right? Is it surrendered? Have you started fabricating something that's an illusion? Or is he king? See, Lord. Another man had influence. Close to a king. Ate at the table. Had much favor. And he was presented with a this or that situation. In Daniel chapter 6, if you want to read it this week. Daniel was presented, do I bow down to the Lord or do I bow down to my comforts? He chose the Lord. He went into a lion's den. It was covered. And God shut the mouth of lions. And when the stone was rolled away, what revealed was Daniel still remained. He still remained. Because he said, I'm not going to bow down to anything else except for the Lord. Daniel is an, ex is an example of an all-in life. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning. Hudson Taylor, the famous missionary to China, paved the way for Christianity in China. Some would credit him for the 100 million Christians who are in the underground church there. And he paved a way, and he's quoted with this, Christ is either Lord of all, or he is not Lord at all. Is our life surrendered? The question we're going to ask God this morning is this simple question, and I ask that you would pray it with me. God, what are you calling me to sell? God, what are you calling me to sell? And I hope that you are following along with the allegory because this may not be monetary. This could be something deep in your soul that you've been holding on to. A fear. A moment of control. Afraid to lose a portion and piece of your identity. God, what are you calling me to sell? And just wait. See if the Lord will, will say something, reveal something. Lord so wants to speak.
Edgar, I want you to sell. Robert, I want you to sell. As you prayed that this morning, let's ask God for help. Jesus, help me. Help me let go. So afraid to let go. Because to lose something that I'm so familiar with may bring a lostness. But God, I'm trusting that in lostness, you will fill that hole, that void. And I will experience closeness with you. I'm asking this. We're asking this. In Jesus' name.